2: Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility.
1: Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. How did an 18-year-old girl just starting her life vanish while out running with her dog? How does that happen? We hear the same scenario over and over and over. This girl, Amanda Mandy Stavik, vanishes in broad daylight around 2 p.m., November 24, jogging with her dog near her own home, Bellingham, Washington State. This is a, a lovely area, very low crime rate. How did it happen? Crime Stories with Nancy Grace.
3: Mandy had just graduated from high school. She was in her first
4: year at Central Washington University. She came home for Thanksgiving break.
5: Mandy left her home on the day after Thanksgiving in 1989.
3: She wanted to get in a run. It was
4: kind of in the late afternoon. She had a daily route that she used to jog, uh, that took her down the road that her house was on, on Strand Road, uh, down to the Nooksack River and back.
3: She went with their dog Kyra, a German Shepherd dog.
6: It was an older dog, but it was uh, it was very protective of Mandy.
7: I was panicked the minute she didn't get home on time. And then I was doubly panicked a few minutes later when the dog was there, and she wasn't.
5: Any kind of missing person call is a 911 call. It requires immediate response. And a deputy will go out and talk to the reporting party.
8: In any investigation like this, you're going to look at, you know, boyfriends, anybody that they might have had trouble with.
1: Mandy's
0: boyfriend was cleared after he gave a police statement.
1: You were just hearing our friends at ABC 2020. Take a listen to this.
0: Mandy left her
5: home on the day after Thanksgiving in 1989.
1: She wanted to get
3: in a run. It was kind of in the late afternoon.
4: She had a daily route that she used to jog uh, that took her down the road that her house was on, on Strand Road, uh, down to the Nooksack River and back.
3: She went with their dog, Kyra, a German Shepherd dog. It was an older dog, but it was uh, it was
6: very protective of Mandy.
3: I normally went with her. I
7: rode my bike, she ran, and the dog panted along after us. But uh, that last morning that she disappeared, I didn't go with her because my sister was there, and so I kicked myself. <laughs> When she didn't come back when she should have come back, and then the dog came back without her, I was panicky. First person I called was her boyfriend.
9: Mary was worried that Manny was missing, then I got worried. The dog came
6: home alone after about two hours, and they suspected something terrible had happened to her. It was so unusual that people started looking immediately.
1: You were hearing our friends at ABC 2020, and It reminds me so much of the case of Carita Vetrano, the Long Island jogger. The one day her firefighter dad, Phil Vetrano, does not go jogging with her, she ends up dead. I mean, that is a lot of guilt to carry around. And you're hearing the same thing in the case of this teen girl, Mandy Stavik. And that's kind of guilt that follows you and weighs on you the rest of your life. With me right now, an all-star panel, Ashley Wilcott, judge and trial lawyer at AshleyWilcott.com. Stephen Lampley, detective, and this guy knows his way around a courtroom and a crime scene. Author of Outside Your Door on Amazon, George Sciro, DNA expert with Scales Biological Laboratory, Inc. And boy, do we need a DNA expert today. Dr. Katherine Maloney, joining me, renowned Deputy Chief Medical Examiner, Erie County Medical Examiner's Office, Dr. Carla Manley, psychologist, fear specialist, com. her latest book, Aging Joyfully. But right now to Joanna Small, reporter with KIRO 7 tv Joanna, thank you for being with us. Tell me about the
10: area where Mandy Stavik
1: went missing.
10: Uh, as you mentioned, Nancy, it was the Bellingham area, but it's actually a little bit northeast of there in a more rural community. It's Whatcom County, which is the closest county to Canada. And the town that Mandy lived in is called Acme. And it was a very small community. Everyone was very tight knit. In fact, the majority of her friends lived on the same street she did. That was Strand Road. They all went to a small high school called Mount Baker. People at that high school still remember her and there's teachers who are still working there. So Mandy's community was very well aware of her, and she was a top athlete. She was a a very popular girl. She had a lot of family members. So it it was no secret that she was well-liked and beloved in that community.
1: That is hurting me so much. She is just a little girl out jogging with her dog in this small rural community there on the Canadian border. She goes missing, and it is a free-for-all. Everybody's looking for Mandy.
2: An extensive search for a missing teenager.
10: Her brother, who was visiting a neighbor, actually saw her run one direction and then a few minutes later run the other way. He was the last person to see her. Every TV station, radios, and even outside the state national media were covering it.
3: I was in my first year as a reporter at the Bellingham Herald um, at the time. I uh, hopped in my car and I drove out and uh, interviewed Mary. She understood that
1: there was a chance that we could help. You're hearing the voice of Bellingham Herald reporter Carol Herrick at ABC 2020 Joanna Small with me, K-I-R-O-7-TV. Joanna, tell me about the search that ensued and who first called 911.
10: Mandy, again, was a very well-liked, very popular girl. Most people knew of her and really cared about her family. So immediately a search was launched, a very extensive search, because I mentioned it's an extremely rural area right along the Nooksack River. And it, it was such a large geographic Uh, space so it required a lot of manpower there were hundreds hundreds of people who were out there searching for Mandy and it was uh, pretty overwhelming detectives people from Bellingham people from Seattle and that's about two and a half hours south of the Acme area so the search continued for several days Um, people she'd gone to high school with people from her past people who didn't even know her And um, again, it was extensive. The Nooksack River is a fast-moving, very long and wide river, and they were searching that entire area. So it was incredibly time-consuming and incredibly intense.
1: You know, very often people think if they have a dog with them, it it saves them from danger. And actually, um, as you know, Ashley Wolcott, I'm working on a new book, Uh, Don't Be a Victim. And that is one of the tips I give people. If you can, take a dog with you. She did take a dog with her, but that did not stop her from going missing. And I'm looking at a photo of her right now. And you can see this photo at crimeonline.com. She has the hairstyle of the day. It's long and in waves, kind of like a Farrah Fawcett, but not exactly. Beautiful, kind of a a strawberry blonde, big brown eyes. And somebody put some money into her smile because there's no way you could have a smile that perfect. Jackie, look at this. I mean, look at that. I mean, some, somebody loves this girl and is taking care of her. The one day they don't go jogging with her, she goes missing. Uh, to Ashley Wilcott, judge and trial lawyer at AshleyWilcott.com, how many times do we do things in retrospect as teens, as young people? I, even just up until the time the twins were born, I would go running up and down the East River at night at 10 o'clock at night. Me, a felony prosecutor that knows better. It's a feeling of invincibility, I think. It
11: is. And I think that goes with youth. But keep in mind, generally, can you trust? Sure, right? People can trust. And you can trust that you can go for a run, that it's all okay, and it's going to be okay. But here's the thing I need to say about the dogs, because I noticed that as well. When you go running or you have a dog with you, you absolutely assume that it's safer and that you're going to be okay. So the two things I would look for as a result of that is, number one, anyone at all that they questioned, that they interviewed, did they have? any marks that could have been caused by a dog, because that dog might have bitten or gone after somebody who tried to get to her. The second thing is, I would think in my mind, it must have been somebody that she knew and that knew her dog, because then a dog would not be defending her necessarily.
1: Well, I don't really even know for sure what the dog, what kind it was. I mean, I mean, if it's our dog, it's a, a chubby little dachshund, and I don't know, you know if he would pose that much of a threat although he does a lot of growling. Mm -hmm. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We are talking about an 18-year-old girl just starting her life, vanish while out running with her dog. Stephen Lampley, detective at StephenLampley.com, uh, author of Outside Your Door. Stephen Lampley, what about it? how safe is it for someone like Mandy to go jogging? Remember, this is a very rural area. What, how does that play into the scenario, Stephen?
12: Well, Nancy, you would think it would be safe. You know, you would, you would reasonably suspect that she's in a rural area and she has a dog. That even adds that even, a German Shepherd, you know, on top of that. You, you would think that uh, you could go jogging and then be safe.
10: Oh, it's a German Shepherd? Hold on, Joanna Small, it's a German Shepherd? Yep, it's a German Shepherd. I think it's an older dog, though, between like 10 and 12 years old. But a German Shepherd that she grew up with. Does it still
1: have teeth? <laughs> That's my question. Because yeah. Stephen Lampley, you know, I get into it all the time about pit bulls and uh, how, how they eat people. Although there was a recent pit bull that saved a family's life from a coral snake, and his name was Zeus, and he passed away. Okay, and I feel awful about that. But they do still eat people. Uh, German shepherds are right up there, I think, in the top three of they will bite you.
12: Yes, and she she has this German shepherd, and they, and they have a reputation for defending. They're very very loyal animals. Uh, so as as a police officer, if if I see if I see a case like this, and you know this as, as well as I do, Nancy, whenever you have a young person that comes up missing like in, under these circumstances, it never ends well, uh, as opposed to is if you have an elderly person that comes up missing, maybe that person just forgot how to get home. Maybe they got lost or got preoccupied. Those don't always end bad, but whenever you have a young person that, that ends up missing like this, It it almost always is not a good result.
1: Yeah, and I know that Steve Lampley is speaking anecdotally, but the statistics do bear out what he is saying. Take a listen to this.
9: Learned what Mandy's normal route was and followed the sign and found the evidence that it was her sign that was coming out onto that road. It was her tracks and followed it to a place where the tracks just stopped and they shouldn't have. Her dog was running with her and the dog tracks stopped there also.
7: It makes you think probably someone pulled her into a car and took off with her. I mean, that's kind of the
9: worst. She's not going to be forcibly uh, taken forcibly unless two or three guys grabbed her. And there was no no evidence of that on the road. There was no scuffling and pushing and shoving and that type of thing. The question was, was it just somebody driving by that drove up that road and sees this beautiful girl running with a dog and decides to grab her? Or was it somebody that knew her?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to absorb everything that tracker Joel Harden is saying there to 2020. To Joanna Small, reporter, joining me from KIRO7 TV. What is he saying about finding tracks they believe they're Mandy's and then suddenly they stop and no evidence of a scuffle? Explain, interpret to me what he's saying.
10: Well, again, we've... We've to it several times, but the area being very, very rural, the Nookstack River, is surrounded by brush. And so it's very easy to kind of disappear into that brush area. And you have to remember, Mandy was an athlete. She was a star basketball player. She ran almost every day. I don't think there was a sport that she didn't play. And she ran very, very quickly. So there would never – it's not surprising, and it wouldn't be surprising to any detectives that there wasn't a visible scuffle Uh People were pretty sure she could outrun just about anyone.
1: Well, yeah, unless that person was in a car. Because, I mean, if you think about it, um, common sense agrees with you. But when I think back on, you know, Karina Vitrano, she was much more physically fit than her killer, Chanel Lewis. I mean, he was addled with dope and booze. She could definitely outrun him, but he had the muscles. And let's see, Molly Tibbetts, she could have outrun her killer. I mean, these women. Uh, Think about Missy Beavers, who was not running, but as an exercise gladiator instructor who was, uh, I guarantee you, more fit than whoever killed her. Uh, There's not a gladiator called a gladiator instructor for no reason. So I find it really interesting to Steve Lampley that they can follow her tracks, you know, tennis shoes, running shoes, and of course you see the dog tracks beside it. You know that's her. And then suddenly they just stop. There's, if it's mud or sand or dirt, do you see that it just stops? Analyze that for me, Stephen Lampley.
12: Well, Nancy, I, I wish I could see what they saw on the footprints. To, to have footprints, in other words, just to have, have a couple of footprints like she's jogging and then nothing more uh, without any scuff, without any turning of the footprint, like she's turning to talk to someone, to, to have just footprints like she lifted off, is is really suspicious uh I, i would think there would be perhaps the the ending but maybe she she would have turned to talk to somebody or the footprints would have been smeared uh there would be something more than they just ended in my opinion
1: well also think about this as jackie here in the studio accurately points out she wouldn't just leave her dog behind get in the car willingly and leave her dog behind for those of you just joining us A graduate of Mount Baker High, Mandy Stavick, home on break from her freshman year at Central Washington University, goes jogging. But then her German Shepherd dog, Kira, returns home three hours later without Mandy. And then the nightmares come true.
5: The search went on for three days. She was found on the third day.
8: Mandy was found on the South Fork of the Nubsack River probably close to five and a half, six miles from her house.
3: There was a bend in the river and some debris and the body was just hung up in the debris there.
5: I saw her body. She was face down. She was just kind of suspended just a little bit off the bottom. There was a branch there that was some debris that prevented her from floating any further downstream.
6: She was naked except for shoes and socks on.
5: The tennis shoes matched the description.
6: The detective that was with
5: me dispatched himself uh, in a quick fashion to get to the family home to let her know we had found her.
7: I wouldn't wish this on even my worst enemy. There's nothing, there is nothing worse. There's nothing worse than
1: losing a child. Oh my stars, just hearing the mom is so, so upsetting. You are hearing our friends at ABC and Mandy's mom to Carla Manley, psychologist and fear specialist at drcarlamanley.com, her many, many books on Amazon. Dr. Carla Manley, when my fiance was murdered, I had no idea there could be a pain worse than that. When I lost my dad, it seemed to bring it all back. The thought of losing a child, your child to me, I, I... I don't think I could go on, Dr. Manley. I I do believe that would be the worst
0: loss. Absolutely, because it's not what we expect. As a parent, we want to be the one who predeceases the child. And so the parent, in this case, this beautiful mother, is left thinking, oh, this year, Mandy would be doing this. And in fact, this year, where we are right now, she would be likely turning 48. And when we start Getting into the mother's shoes and realizing what an incredible lifelong loss this is, when we have this violent person who, um, an opportunistic act in a beautiful small rural community, and wipes out one of her most, if not her most beloved, being on the planet. It's horrific.
1: stories with Nancy Grace
11: the medical examiner determined Mandy's cause of death to be drowning she'd suffered a head injury and had been sexually assaulted
4: they took DNA evidence from Mandy's body they created a DNA profile of both Mandy and an unknown male time and time again They would have a person of interest. They would question that person, but something
10: would rule them out. They had a good alibi, or ultimately, their DNA did not match. This case dragged on.
9: It becomes a cold case, but
6: after, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, it's like, well, it's never going to be solved.
10: Our
1: friends at ABC, and we're talking about the cold case of Mandy Stavik, a teen girl home from college on break. Thanksgiving break, goes jogging with her German Shepherd dog, never comes home, her body found in a river, naked, except for shoes and socks. I mean, to me, right there, that is the tip-off. She was sex assaulted. But the medical examiner confirmed it. To Dr. Catherine Maloney joining me, Deputy Chief Medical Examiner at Erie County Medical Examiner's Office, Nickel City Forensics, Dr. Maloney, how do they tell after a body has been in the water? for that period of time, three days, what the cause of death is and that there was a sex assault.
0: Well, in, in terms of a sex assault, you could look for trauma uh, to the, the genitalia. You could also do swabs to look for the presence of uh, sperm or um, for, the, for DNA to be in those swabs. And then in terms of drowning being the diagnosis, drowning is sort of a diagnosis of exclusion where you sort of excluded everything else. So the person wasn't stabbed, they weren't shot, they weren't strangled. Um, They did say she had the, the, it sounded like a bruise on the back of her head. Um, So with nothing else, then the assumption becomes the person must have been drowned. They're found in water.
1: Well, actually, you know, when you find a body naked, except for the shoes and socks, in water, dead, uh, the fact that that she was unclosed says to me immediately there was a sex attack. It's freezing cold. She's got on socks and shoes, so that rules out a swim which is, you know, you know, far-fetched to start with. But the fact that she's naked and in the water says to me she has been sex assaulted. That goes to motive to whoever killed her. If this had been a consensual relationship, a consensual sex relationship, she likely would not have been killed. So put that together, and that gives me a sex motive for murder. To Catherine Maloney, uh, Nichols City Forensics, Dr. Maloney, speaking of DNA, you would think that rushing water would take the DNA off the body. But when the DNA is in the body, such as in the vagina or the vaginal tract the
0: water would have no effect on it. It would stay there. That is correct. The DNA basically would have been um, in a place where it couldn't have been washed off.
1: Dr. Maloney, how long can you get a viable DNA match from DNA, for instance, in the vaginal tract?
0: Um, that's a good question. It probably depends on the condition of the body and the condition of the um, where the body is found, if the body is decomposed, um, if there's any type of um, insect or animal activity that could have disrupted the presence of the DNA. Um, It it really is kind of on a case-by-case basis.
1: I remember arguing to juries that, um, and this is before DNA, that DNA at trial, anyway, there's always been deoxyribonucleic acid, but before we could perfect it to bring it into trial, sperm lasts generally three days about, um, swimming around. First, the tail breaks off. The next day, the the head breaks off. Then after that, the, the sperm starts to degenerate deteriorate however dna not fully intact spermatozoa still exists joining me right now dna expert from scales biological laboratory george skiro george skiro how long let's just say inside the vaginal tract or in the mouth or the throat or uh in your rectum, how long inside a body will DNA be preserved?
2: Well, Nancy, as the doctor pointed out, there are a number of variables that go into that. Uh, and that's one of the things that we kind of call the holy grail of forensic science is trying to determine what we call post coital interval, how long maybe uh, time lapsed between finding sperm and the actual incident. And the data is all over the map. There is one case where actually up to 19 days later in a cadaver, they found uh, intact spermatozoa. So there's no real timeline you can put on that. So as long as it's there, as long as it's not disturbed, as long as it's not diluted, it can last, many days. Wow. Uh, so we would be able to recover that and take swabs and then take those swabs and then determine if there's spermatozoa present and then determine DNA, uh, determine the DNA from those uh, spermatozoa.
1: Back to Joanna Small, reporter with KIRO7 TV. We know it was three days later that a searcher came upon Mandy's lifeless and naked body there uh, in the South Fork of the Nooksack River. Who found her body?
10: That was Detective Ron Peterson. Uh, initially, a search team that was uh, going, uh, that was actually in the river, that was in the river by boat, saw the body. They were volunteer firefighters. They didn't feel comfortable approaching the body, so they contacted Detective Ron Peterson with the Whatcom County Sheriff's Office, who immediately went to to that area and saw, as you mentioned, her body face down in the water with only shoes and socks. And uh, Ron also has a daughter who went to school with Mandy and looked a whole lot like Mandy in terms of you know, it's the same hair, the same eyes, and immediately his mind, he told me, went to his daughter. And so when he turned her over, it was extremely emotional for him. Everybody in that department has a personal connection to either the family, the community, or Mandy herself. And so it was heartbreaking.
1: The search begins for Mandy Stavick's killer listen. We went out
5: and contacted as many folks as we could, asked for samples, tried to find out what they might have known or what they might have heard over the last 30 years. It's
4: the longest case I've worked on without having an investigative
6: lead DNA-wise. At one point, we sent 31 samples at one time, and she sorted through all of them
4: wouldn't say you lose hope after comparing that many samples but you can't be as excited each time when you get let down that many times.
8: To me it was if you haven't got anything to hide then there's there's no problem giving your DNA and I had no problems asking. The case had never,
6: never left the thoughts of Mandy's friends. And so two women were talking about the case and talking about what a strange person Tim Bass was. We should talk to the sheriff's office. They should look at him.
1: Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. He was very controlling and always told me what to do, what I could wear, what I couldn't wear, who I could talk to, who I couldn't talk to. He didn't even call me by my name. He called me by horror.
4: 2010, Gina had filed for a domestic violence protection order for herself and her three children. In the order, she had said that she didn't feel safe and that tim would watch cold case tv files when he would watch
1: the cold case files or movies that pertain to murder he would always say the murderer was stupid and didn't cover his tracks very well and he wouldn't be stupid enough to get caught wow okay that's scary enough right there and with a neighbor that people already think has peculiar odd behavior The minute a murder occurs of Mandy Stavik, he suddenly gets married and moves away immediately. And I don't know about you guys, but to Ashley Wilcott, they had a wedding already planned to happen in the future. And then something goes, yeah, forget that. Let's get married right now and move. That would concern me. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I always say this, especially about women, trust your gut and your
11: instinct. And so it would concern me as well. And why are you going to marry the devil on himself?
1: Yeah, I agree. But I find it a big red flag that they suddenly get married and move away. Now, this is even more of a red flag. Gina and Tim in their home, they asked Tim to give a DNA sample.
8: I thought Tim would give us our, his DNA
1: or he wouldn't.
8: But if you don't ask, you, can,
1: you don't know. And they said that they were... There, to collect the DNA that they had already collected from a lot of people in the area.
8: She said that she was expecting Tim home um, within a, within a few minutes.
6: They asked him about Mandy Stavich, and he said, "Oh," and he looked up at the ceiling like he couldn't remember that name.
8: That was definitely a red flag for me, which indicated to me he's obviously lying. You don't grow up in that area. Everybody knew what the Manny Stavick case was, and she ran past his house every day. How would you not know it? And he said,
6: "Oh, was that uh, was that the girl that was missing?" And uh, he said, "They uh, said yes, it was." And uh, he said, "Oh, you know, I remember she was found in the river, like it was." sort of a revelation that he had brought that back to his mind. He knows exactly who Manny Stavick was, but he was playing it off like he didn't.
8: Tim said he wasn't going to give us a DNA, that he didn't trust the police, which was another red flag, and by then we were out of flags.
1: Well, wow. won't give a DNA sample and then pretends he doesn't know the neighbor that ran by his house every single day. Now... Those are some red flags in my mind. What about it, Ashley? Red flags.
11: Forget about red flags. To me, it indicates, listen, he knew he was complicit. He has more information than
1: they know at this point in time. You know, I I just not giving DNA, pretending you don't know a neighbor. Then we have the problem. He refuses to give DNA. And under the law, at this point, they don't have enough evidence to get a warrant on Tim Bass. They can't force him to give his DNA. So they're kind of stuck until this.
3: If something happened to my daughter, I'd want someone to help me. And the thought of her mom never having an answer of who did that to her daughter. If I could help her find that peace, I wanted to do it.
4: She watched Tim. They got a water cooler at their office. And he drank out of a plastic cup and threw it away.
3: They threw it in the garbage in front of me, walked past into the bathroom. I just I looked in the garbage and my heart was like mm, you know beating out of my chest and I grabbed it and I put it in my
8: desk drawer. I think I waited a little bit and then I texted Detective Bowie. I couldn't get it back to the office quick enough and down to the lab quick enough to have it tested.
1: Wow you are hearing co-workers of this guy Tim Bass speaking to ABC 2020 to Joanna Small reporter K I R O Seven TV. Who is this person, Kim Wagner, and why did she feel she had to get Tim Bass's DNA surreptitiously, secretly? Kim
10: was another person in the community who felt a connection to Mandy. She didn't know Mandy personally, but like I said, everyone in the community felt some kind of connection to this girl or to her family and to her story. And Kim also has a daughter. And so she felt incredibly motivated to help the police in any way she could. This, this case haunted the people in Watkins County for years, you know, nearly 30 years at that point. This is in 2017. And it was, it was devastating. And Kim was someone who still thought about it every day. And so when she saw the opportunity to do something positive that could potentially end this, and she mentioned this several times to me, but in this, torture for mandy's family she didn't hesitate she wanted to do it immediately which is actually very brave and
1: isn't it true joanna small k-i-r-o-7 tv that detectives have been following bass around but they couldn't get his dna they've been following him i mean we have heard of dna being obtained off a piece of pizza believe it or not uh in a the mansion murder trial Up in the D.C. area, a whole family is murdered by a guy who comes to the door pretending to deliver pizza. Inside the scene, they find a half-eaten pizza, and they take DNA off the pizza crust, and they catch the killer. So isn't it true, Joanna Small, they've been following Tim Bass around, and all they've got so far at this point is he's a neighbor, he refuses to give a DNA sample, Others think he has very odd and peculiar behavior and claims he didn't know Mandy, which obviously he does. So they start following him. That's totally legal. They had, uh, isn't it true, he would take out his trash and get rid of it? I mean, they, they couldn't catch him in anything, Joanna.
10: Tim was a fairly, he, he kind of did the same thing every day. Therefore, you know, he wasn't stopping at restaurants. He wasn't really deviating from his routine. Um, it was mostly work and home, and they didn't have access to his work vehicle where he spent the majority of his time. And so absolutely, yeah, they were following him around. They were attempting to to catch him in, I don't know, I would call it like a slip, just something different. And to no avail, that really wasn't happening. And to
1: make it even more difficult, we learned that he would pack up his trash and burn it. He never left DNA out, like on a soda bottle or a plastic fork. It just didn't happen. George Skiro joining me, DNA expert with Scales Biological Laboratory. George, how do you get DNA off, for instance, a plastic cup?
2: Well, to get some DNA off a plastic cup, it's relatively simple. Uh, You just take a swab, a sterile swab cotton swab just like a q-tip moisten it with some distilled water swab the area of the mouth area take that let it air dry package it and send it away to be analyzed it's that simple
1: that simple you know we, we hear of stories like this but in this case it's true a co-worker decides to help out doesn't really even know mandy stavik and she gets the dna
12: timothy Forrest bass Deputies forward DNA samples from Mr. Bass to the Washington State Crime Laboratory who reported to us that his DNA matched the DNA recovered from Mandy's body.
1: You are hearing Whatcom County Sheriff Bill Elfo announcing first-degree kidnapping, murder, and rape charges on Tim Bass. But isn't it true, Joanna Small, he claimed they had a consensual sex relationship.
10: Yeah, that was the basis in, entirely for Tim, for how Tim tried to explain things.
1: The case goes to trial and then this. We, the jury, find the defendant, Timothy Forrest Bass, guilty of the crime of
0: murder in the first degree as charged in count one.
1: The sentence was 320 months. That's almost 27 years. Why not? Lo-
0: there was not an
10: aggravated count of murder in this particular case. There wasn't a murder weapon identified. Uh, as, as someone else in the panel had mentioned, she had a deep bruise on the top of her head. And they, they said the, bur- the in the autopsy, the corner had said the bruise could have potentially caused unconsciousness. But there was never any kind of, of weapon identified. So it wasn't an aggravated murder charge. And I, ironically, or maybe sadly, he will spend less time in prison than the number of years it took to find him as the killer.
1: Wait a minute. Are you telling me that the fact that she was raped does
10: not aggravate the murder? They actually, because of... Uh, they, they couldn't technically charge him with rape, statute of limitations. So they had officially dropped that charge, and he was found guilty of first-degree murder. So he was not convicted on rape? He was not convicted on rape. But as everybody described the crime, and even from the prosecutor's office, it was considered a rape and murder. But he wasn't convicted on a separate rape charge.
1: So because they couldn't identify a weapon and they rape statutorily could not be prosecuted because of the statute of limitations. It was a flat-out murder, not an aggravated murder, and therefore he did not get life. He got 320 months, about 27 That's years. Correct.
10: There's an aggravated murder statute in the state of Washington, and uh, that elevates things. And so it was, um, I don't want to say it was disappointing, because they knew, uh, the family knew going into this, about the the maximum sentence he could receive. So they were prepared. And so
1: the case went unsolved as long as the sentence, and he is set to walk free potentially in 2036. That's just in 16 years. Question, uh, Joanna Small, how did Tim Bass hide in plain sight all these years? Well,
10: Tim immediately left the community. As you mentioned, he got married to his fiance.
1: Justice delayed but not denied. Nancy Grace, Crime story signing off.
8: Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.